In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. The title of this sermon, working title, is Giving Up Lent for Lent. Do you like that? Giving Up Lent for Lent? Because as with lots of things in our day, what Lent has come to mean for so many is not perhaps what it is at heart. And so in this sermon, I hope to get to the heart of Lent, which we are entering in earnest now, tomorrow. So what is the popular understanding of Lent? Well, if you want to know what's popular, you go on to social media sites like Twitter or X, whatever it is called, and you find out what millions of people are tweeting about Lent. And if you go, you will find that everyone, of course, sees Lent as a time where you give things up, right? So social media, uh, alcohol, plastics. Um, Lent is a time basically for for self-improvement and discipline, giving things up. And then equally popular to those idealistically giving things up for 40 days are the realists who have failed at giving things up for 40 days, and a tweet sums this up. It's the start of Lent. If you made a New Year's resolution and failed to keep it, Lent is a great opportunity to fail at it again. So this spirit of defeat then leads to the title of this sermon, I'm giving up Lent for Lent. Well, fine, I say good riddance to this imitation Lent. Now we can get to exploring true Lent, which is both harder and easier than this. True Lent is harder than giving things up because we aren't aiming just to change habits. Less food or less social media or more church even. We're aiming to change our hearts. And giving things up is just a means to that end. That's why Lent is harder than people think. But it's also easier than people think because we're not doing this alone. New Year's and Lenten resolutions fail because they rely on our own power, our own resolve. Lent relies on a higher power, the God who created us, the God who knows us best, the God who calls us to our greatest self. So if you want true Lent summed up in 250 characters or less, don't go to Twitter, go to the beautiful and inspiring words of the prophet Joel that we don't reflect on. It's not in our lectionary in the Armenian church, but he sums up Lent with beautiful and inspiring words. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to your Lord, your God. Return to the Lord. Return to me. Joel is a prophet doing what a prophet does best, pointing out the distance between us and God and begging us for our own good to turn back and recover our true self in God. Now note that Joel is not a whistleblower. He's not pointing out our wrongdoings. That would be too much about us in the negative. And note that Joel is also not a self-help guru. He's not vaguely encouraging us to be better. That would be too much about us in the positive. Joel's a prophet. He knows God, and he knows human nature, and he tells us truthfully that any lasting good and change only comes from and with God. 
but we have to do our part, right, before God can do his. And God doesn't want superficial rules and diets. He says, rend your hearts, not your garments. And I think you sense what this means, but to further clarify, in our day, tearing your clothes is something of a fashion statement, I suppose, but back in the biblical days, tearing your clothes was a dramatic way to show your anguish, your grief and repentance. And so David tore his clothes when his son Absalom killed his other sons in jealousy. The high priest tore his clothes when he accused Jesus of blasphemy. And then other things, people put ashes on their heads was another thing they did when repenting, which is where Ash Wednesday comes from. People didn't shave when they repented, which is probably why priests and monks have beards. <laughs> well, Joel is saying all of these outer rituals, as well as fasting for Lent, even purple curtains, giving up chocolate, they're only significant insofar as they move our hearts to God open and humble our hearts <clears throat> before God. And so this now, we literally arrive at the heart of the matter. Lent is all, <clears throat> excuse me, Lent is all heart. Lent is learning to love better because God is love and we're trying to be like him and to follow him. And love, like Lent, it takes vulnerability and a risk of a broken heart to learn and grow. And in fact, Joel says, we don't risk a broken heart in this fallen world. We probably already have one, if we're honest. And if we don't have one, we need one to know and live by the will of God. That's all over the scriptures. It's not popular to think about, but a broken heart helps you see God, right? The psalmist says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus says what? Blessed are those who mourn. That's why both Testaments say that the only offering, the only worship pleasing to God is a broken and contrite heart. Somehow, Lent is supposed to soften our hearts both to see how far we are off from what God calls us to be, but also to see how far the mercy and grace of God could help us become. And so to conclude, what might this all mean practically as we gear up for Lent. Now, of course, I'm the coach, you're the players, you can do whatever you have to do, but here's a few thoughts. I think there's no real improvement on the way our church and faithful people 1,500 years ago have talked about the three steps to have a good Lent, and it's on your bulletin in most form, in, in, in a form, and that would be repent and pray and give alms. In the words I've been saying, recognize your broken heart, invite God to mend it, and give your hearts to others. And so the first step, repent is all of your Lenten tools and disciplines. Detach yourself from lesser things. Success, acknowledgement, food, wealth, all fine, but don't be attached. Put aside these false gods we worship and make room for the one true God in our very center, and now that there is space for God, you move on to step two. Listen to God in prayer. Learn from him in scripture. Read godly books. Listen to godly podcasts. Take a walk with God. And then finally, after emptying ourselves of self and self-centeredness and being filled with God, we're to share our overflow with others in almsgiving, an old word, but just giving to others. 
were to meet others in their need, be they Artsakh refugees, a lonely person who needs to talk, a stranger in need of a welcome, and this final step, of course, is the proof, the fruit of a true Lent. And so I hope that these words today will, give you, will help you give up a, a lesser Lent for a greater one, and with less focus on giving something up and more on giving yourself over to God through repentance, through prayer, and through good works. It's not easy, but we're not alone. And for just as soon as we turn away from lesser things and turn towards God, he comes to meet us and by the power of his loving grace calls us forward to always better and better things, now and always, and unto the ages of ages.